You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. And then in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 through 16. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. All right. Have you ever felt uh, really unprepared for something? Maybe something that you just kind of got thrown into the last minute? Uh, As I was thinking about this this week, I was like, wow, this has actually happened to me more than I'd like to admit. Um, And nothing, uh, no memory is as clear as the first uh, musical performance of my career, which many of you were there for this, sadly. Uh, I was a junior in college at USF, and I had just started taking drum lessons, and I always kind of dreamed of being this amazing drummer for whatever reason. And I had taken probably one or two lessons, to be really honest. And then we went out to Rosebud, as we did every year for Thanksgiving, share some some good time of fellowship with our, our Native American friends. And sure enough, the drummer didn't show up. Dream come true for a person like me, right? And so they start asking the question of my dream. Can anybody here drum? Is there anybody? And nobody volunteered. Like nobody had anything to do with drumming. So I said, yes, I'm actually taking drum lessons right now. I didn't tell them I'd take it one or two lessons. But I said, I'm taking drum lessons, I can do it. And they said, okay, great, you're on the team. But here's the, here, here's the one thing we need to tell you. We only have one drumstick. And, and then they gave me a fly swatter. And I said, well, that's not a good start, but I think I can manage anyway. And needless to say, we started playing, and Charity can tell this, it was just atrocious. I mean, I couldn't keep up with the bass player. He was looking at me just disgusted, just mad, like, you said you could drum, man. And I'm like, I'm trying. I'm trying my hardest. And by the end of the time, they were just kind of like kept saying, like, get a little softer and a little softer. And by the time we were done, there was no drumming at all. And I was done. My career was shot. And so to this day, I have never set foot on a stage to play any instrument 
Again, this is, a, this is a lesson for you. If you aspire to play music at Life Church, don't try it before you're ready, because you won't get a second chance, right? <laughs> There's no grace in this place. Uh, I'm now the eighth-string drummer behind Benaya, who's five, okay? Uh, and and that's, that's the way that whole situation turned out. But clearly, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready. I had not been taught and trained adequately to, in music theory or drumming or anything remotely that would give me a clue of what to do in that scenario. And though it turned out pretty embarrassing, I got over it pretty quickly because like, that wasn't that big of a deal to me. But I'm wondering, how would you feel if you felt entirely unprepared to do the big thing that God had asked you to do? Like the main thing, if you felt like the main thing that you, you're, you exist for, you feel totally unprepared for that. I'd imagine the disciples felt this way at least just a bit, um, you know, thinking about how Jesus was talking to them and giving them his last words, the Great Commission, and then, and then just leaving them, I would imagine there was a good deal of this same feeling that I felt up there playing drums at Rosebud. You know, just imagine it with me for a second. Jesus is gathering his disciples around. He's about to give them the Great Commission, and then he's going to ascend. And they probably don't know this, but he's like, come on, guys, gather around. I want to talk to you. This is really important. I got something really critical to say to you. And they're kind of, you know, young guys, so they're probably bouncing off the walls. And he's like, guys, come on. I got something really important. I got to get going here in a minute. And, and literally got to get going. I'm going. I'm, I'm gone. And, and, and so finally gathers them around. And he's like, guys, just, you know, quiet down. This is really important. You have to get this. Matthew, can you please put your, put your money bag down for a, man, for a minute, man? Like, just, just leave it alone. Uh, John, get your head off my chest. It's time for me to talk to you about some really important things. Peter, would you shut up for just one minute? I got something really important to say. Sorry, those are church jokes. Uh, but he's, he's like, guys, this is really a big deal. If you don't get this, you're not going to get the main thing. And then he says, go, therefore, into all nations, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. And then he just leaves just gone. He, he ascends into heaven, and they're like, what just happened? Like, did you guys hear him? Did he just assign the whole world to us? Is that what I, th I think? I, I thought I heard that. Like, he just told us to go into the whole world. That sounds pretty dangerous. And he said, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Peter's like, I haven't been listening like half the time. You know, like, how are we supposed to teach him everything? I don't remember everything. And I think maybe one of them says, in the middle of that, that panic, I imagine one of them said, wait a minute, guys. I remember something about Jesus saying something about this a couple chapters ago. Saying something about John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. He said, maybe that's going to be the key, that the Holy Spirit would teach us to do this, to do what God's called us to do. And Maybe you feel like the disciples did at that moment today. Maybe you feel a little bit unprepared for your call as a Christian to carry this mantle, to, to make disciples of all nations, to, to go into your workplaces, into your, into your families, into your circles of influence, and to actually share the good news about Jesus. Maybe you feel like, ah, that's just for pastors, and that's just for elders, and that's just for missionaries. That's not for me. And Jesus would say, hogwash. That is for you. You'd say, I've given you the Holy Spirit to teach you, to train you, and to equip you to do everything that I've called you to do. He's going to empower you to do it. 
And that's what we're looking at here this morning. We're looking at the Holy Spirit as our teacher here in the midst of this series on the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at several different things about the Holy Spirit, but now we're getting into some of the roles and the functions of the Holy Spirit. And I want to begin today by having um, Melissa Schockenmeyer come, and she's going to share a quick testimony of how the Holy Spirit's been working in her and preparing her for the work that he's called her to do. So thank you for coming, Melissa. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm excited to just share some testimony about how the Holy Spirit's been a wonderful teacher to me. Um, So I've been part of a small group Bible study for about four years. Um, And over those years, you know, we've kind of grown and we get to a point where it's a little bit too big. Um, We divide into smaller groups. It can be a little bit more effective. Um, I've kind of gone through that process a couple times, you know, when every time that happens, a new leader kind of needs to rise up to take over part of the group. Um, And when that's happened, I've, you know, never really given it much thought other than whose group do I want to be in. Um, But in the last couple months, we've kind of gotten to that point again where we're looking at, you know, dividing into some smaller groups and and someone needing to um, step up into a leadership position. Um, And as we started talking about that, you know, I went away and it, it really stuck with me. I spent weeks thinking, is this something I should be doing? Is this something I could be doing? Um, really pushed it away, kind of resisted it for several several weeks, mostly for a lot of selfish reasons. But in thinking about that and praying through it, the Holy Spirit really came through as a wonderful teacher to me. Uh, one of the things that he has taught me in the past but kind of came through again in this is um, just teaching me how to discern if an idea is from him or just one of my own crazy ideas. I've learned that the Holy Spirit usually is very specific. You know, some of my ideas can be pretty vague, um, fleeting, but when it's something specific like this, it's usually more from the Holy Spirit, Um, and also his ideas just keep coming up. You know, it was really incredible over those few weeks how many of messages in Pastor Bill's sermons just made me think, yep, I need to take on that Bible study. Um, How many things in my morning devotionals would say, yep, I got to take on that Bible study, Um, and that's the Holy Spirit, you know, and he keeps bringing that to you. Um, And of course, you know, trying to make this decision, I I did deal with a lot of self-doubts. And I realized that a good teacher really helps you discover things, um, but then also helps you remember what you've learned and encourages you. One of the things that I kind of doubted was, what are my motives? You know, am I just doing this because I want people to look up to me? Um, You know, in a selfish way. Um, But the Holy Spirit really helped me discover a lot of other things about it I was excited for. You know, I really wanted to help people in my group be more comfortable praying with each other, including myself, Um, specific Bible studies that I wanted to do, uh, more serving opportunities, all kind of things that align with the Holy Spirit's goals. And then, of course, I wondered, you know, what if I mess it up? What if I teach something wrong? You know, when I came to this Bible study about four years ago, I did not know the Bible. You know, our leader would say, turn to the book of Acts, and I didn't even know where in the Bible that was, let alone what that book was about. Um, And so I wondered, you know, am I going to even be capable of teaching someone else the Bible? That just kind of seems crazy. Um, But the Holy Spirit really helps you remember. You know, he called to mind just Bible verses that were very encouraging. You know, he really spoke encouragement to me through uh, my life group leader, friends, pastors. Um, So, yeah, help me discover and, and really remember that I am capable of doing that. And so we haven't quite split yet and taken over. Um, part of the group, but I know that the Holy Spirit really took me from a lot of fears and doubts to being excited for leading a group, and I know going forward that he'll continue to teach me, you know, through a deeper understanding of the word and um, just how best to teach it to others. So, a wonderful teacher. 
Yeah. Thank you, Melissa. Isn't that awesome? I just love that. That, that is the message today. No matter where you're at, no matter how you feel, maybe you resonate with a lot of what Melissa was saying about self-doubt and can I really do this? No matter where you're at today, the Holy Spirit is saying, I will teach you, I will train you, I will equip you to do what God has called you to do. You might be a, a total mega introvert. I don't know what you scored in your Myers-Briggs. The Holy Spirit doesn't care. He will train you. He will equip you and give you the tools that you need. So let's dive into our two texts this morning. We got one in John, that's kind of our main launching point text, and then uh, one in Corinthians. And uh, I want us to notice four things about how the Holy Spirit functions as our teacher. Because if we just say teacher, that's kind of vague. And so I want to get into four really word pictures, four metaphors for how the Holy Spirit operates as our teacher. And then we're going to look at three appropriate responses for good students. Right? This isn't just all on the Holy Spirit. He wants to be, he's going to be a good and faithful teacher, but as students of the Holy Spirit, how are we to respond? All right, and so we're going to look at both of those things here today. Now, before we jump in, let's refresh our memory on what exactly is the Holy Spirit wanting to teach us. It's not science and social studies, obviously, but what is he wanting to teach us? Well, Jesus says in John 16, a couple chapters after our text today, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. So the Holy Spirit is wanting to teach us the truth, and he's wanting to teach us specifically the truth about Jesus. Okay, He's fired up as a teacher. Like imagine the most nerdy teacher you've ever had that just geeks out on their subject. The Holy Spirit geeks out about Jesus. He's just like obsessed with telling people, teaching people, showing people how to follow Jesus, magnifying Jesus. He's, he's urgent about this task to teach you about Jesus. And this is for your own life, personally, your own walk with the Lord, but it's also for you as you are a disciple maker, teaching other people about Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. So let's look at some of these functions. Now, as I've said, teacher means different things to all of us, right? Um, maybe some of you, you picture your kindergarten teacher, and others maybe your last experience in college or university. And what I don't want you to think of is maybe sort of a, a professor in, the, in a huge room, like a stadium seating and hundreds of students, and a professor just kind of downloading information to students so they can regurgitate it for a test. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit is much more close, much more hands-on um, and present, as we'll see. He's more like a tutor or a mentor or a coach. Um, I think of like a sensei, like Mr. Miyagi with the karate kid, right? Like he's walking with you, wax on, wax off kind of thing. Like he's, he's helping you along the way. He's not just sort of like, there you go, lob this truth over to you and you take it or leave it. But he's, he's journeying with you as you go together. So let's look at these four metaphors from our two texts today. First of all, the Holy Spirit is the cultivator for truth. It's a farming metaphor. Before teaching us anything, the Holy Spirit gets our hearts ready to be impacted by the truth. Look at verse 14 of our Corinthians passage. It says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So look at that word. They are folly to him. The things of God are foolishness, literally foolishness to us, until the Holy Spirit <coughs> cultivates our hearts to receive the truth. Like, we are blind. That's why the song says, I was blind, but now I can see. We can't see it at all. Our hearts are hard until the Holy Spirit softens them and makes them ready for the truth. So think about our community garden, 20 miles north in Trent. Let's say 
that our gardeners went out there one year and said, instead of having Jack till the ground, we're just going to take it easy this year and toss the seed out on this hard ground that's been laying there all winter under snow. Wouldn't have a very good produce giveaway, right? No, because the soil needs to be cultivated so that it can receive the seed, the seed can sprout and grow. So the soil is like your heart, the seed is the truth, and the Holy Spirit is like Jack, going through and tilling it up, making it ready so it can receive the truth and it can respond to it. Now, don't tell Jack I compared him to the Holy Spirit. That dude's down in Texas today. He doesn't deserve any kind of that kind of credit. But, but the Holy Spirit is cultivating your hearts for the truth, right? He's making them ready so they, they can receive, so that we can receive it. And if you're a Christian today, he's done that in you, praise God. He's the cultivator. The second thing he does is he's the illuminator of truth. He's like a light bulb. If you've ever been taking a class or maybe doing a DIY project or something like that, and you just totally didn't understand something, you just totally didn't get it, and then a gifted teacher or you watch a YouTube video or something comes along and all of a sudden it's like a light turns on and you totally get it. You go from totally not seeing it all, I don't get it at all, to I totally get it. It's just like you walk into a dark room and somebody throws the lights on. That's what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do when it comes to teaching us about Jesus. And in many ways, the Holy Spirit demonstrates his humility in this. He's pretty self-forgetful because he's always pointing people to Jesus. He's always illuminating Jesus, not himself. Um, when we think about what light bulbs do, how many of you this morning, or when you first walked into this auditorium, maybe you remember last year, you came in and said, wow, look at the light bulbs. Now, maybe PJ did, right? Because PJ put them in, and they look pretty darn good, I got to say. Um, he put those, those beams in, and, and it's amazing all the work they did to, to put those in. But most of you looked at what the lights shed light on, right? That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's illuminating Jesus so we can see him for who he is. He's not drawing attention towards himself. He's drawing attention to Jesus. And this is one of the major roles of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at um, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7 in our text here today, because Paul says this in several different ways, that the Holy Spirit functions as the illuminator. Verse 7, he says, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. This is not obvious stuff. It's hidden. It's secret. We need the Holy Spirit to illuminate it to us. Jump down to verse 10. He says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And then verse 12 and 13. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So the Spirit wants you to understand everything that's been freely given to you in Jesus. That's his main purpose. That's his function as the teacher. And he says, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. We need the Spirit's illuminating power. These things that we receive from God in Jesus are spiritual things and therefore must be illuminated by the Holy Spirit. So if you're a Christian in here today, you're a Christian because the Holy Spirit has helped you to see Jesus for who he is. The Son of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. Has come to rescue us and bring us back to God where we've always belonged. That's why you're a Christian. You're not a Christian because you, you, kind of, you have the edge on seeing truth and you can kind of spot it from a long ways away. You were blind. The Holy Spirit opened your eyes and now you can see him for who he is. So this is both humbling and encouraging to me. It's humbling because I couldn't see it. 
you know, no matter of being smart or really astute or really kind of clever can help you to see this. The Holy Spirit had to open our eyes. We were totally blind, and then he shed light on it. So it's humbling. But it's also encouraging, right, in our mission as we go out and we share the good news, because that means the pressure is off us. Like, you might have the most winsome testimony and the most able um, sharing of the gospel that anybody's ever heard. It doesn't matter if you're Billy Graham. If the Holy Spirit hasn't illuminated the truth of Jesus to someone, they're not going to see it. So you don't have to sweat it is what I'm saying. Like, I've had some bad gospel conversations before. Maybe you have too. Uh, And it just, I'm like, wow, that didn't go well. Or they just didn't receive it. It was total red light. Mm -hmm. Well, don't sweat it. Just keep doing it because that's the Holy Spirit's role to open people's eyes, to help them to see the truth. Our role is just to be faithful with the message, to take it everywhere we can, right? Now, we can also see how this this function of illuminator is really key when it comes to reading our Bibles, right? If he's the illuminator of truth, if he helps us to see Jesus, then this should be the, the first step of every good Bible study should be prayer, right? Asking the Holy Spirit, will you open the text so I can understand it? And here at Life Church, we want every member reading the Bible on a daily basis, but not just so that you can gain knowledge or not just so that you are checking the box, but so that you're engaging with the Holy Spirit. And he's teaching you about Jesus and he's showing you on every page where Jesus is in the text. Okay? Super, super important. Because Bible reading, aside from the Holy Spirit, dare I say, I think it's boring and dry just kind of doesn't do much, right? It's like throwing the seed on the surface of the soil. It just sits there. It doesn't really impact us. It doesn't have the effect that it's supposed to, but when the Spirit's giving us access, then now we're talking. Now we get some work done. I love what Timothy Keller says about this in one of his blogs. He says, when I go to the truth of God and the Spirit is giving me access, do you see what happens? You can read about the power of God. If you just read about the power of God without the influence of the Spirit, you say, oh, God is powerful. Without the influence of the Spirit, all that can do is make a superficial impression on top of you. It's like the seed sitting on top of the soil. It doesn't really do anything. But when the Spirit of God is there, you read about the power and there's access. The truth begins to shine. It begins to change you. And what begins to happen is your heart develops courage. When you read about his goodness, it develops peace in you. When you read about his forgiveness, it develops relief in you. You shake off your guilty fears. When you read about his forgiveness, it develops generosity and mercy in you. When you read about his holiness, it develops conviction of sin and humility in you. Don't you see, says Keller? Only when the Spirit of God is doing that do you see real access happening. Only then. The Holy Spirit is the illuminator of truth. He's the cultivator of truth. He's the illuminator of truth. And thirdly, he's the reminder of truth. I don't know about you, but these days it seems like I need more reminders than ever. Um, and, and of course, we use our phones for that. So I'm not going to compare the Holy Spirit to an iPhone. I just won't do that. Okay? But think of a helpful scribe or assistant or some, someone like that who's just a very helpful person, and they're just always on top of everything. I think of Charity like that. She just, she's just always on top of everything, and, and she's just really, really helpful. Um, the Holy Spirit functions in that way, to bring to our remembrance, as it says in John, to bring to your remembrance all that I said to you one of his main functions as our teacher to remind us of truth. Now, have you ever been talking with someone and all of a sudden a scripture pops in your mind, like Melissa was saying? 
Isn't that a cool Holy Spirit moment? Um, sometimes it's a scripture you've, been, you, you've read recently, but sometimes he'll pull something from way back in the cavern, and you're like, how did that get there? And he just brings it front and center for that particular moment. And it's just awesome. And I love that. I love how that works. I don't, you can't explain it. It's just, wow, that was a spirit moment. But here's the catch with this. The Holy Spirit can't remind us of things if they never entered our mind in the first place. You can't be reminded of something that you never looked at once, right? So this is why it's important that we're in the text, that we're reading the words of Jesus, that we're studying this, because then he has a lot more material to work with in bringing things to our mind. So he is, he is helpful in this way in our own personal walk, but especially as we're making disciples and as we're talking to people about Jesus sharing our faith, He's bringing things to our remembrance to help us as our teacher. So he's the cultivator of truth. He's the illuminator of truth. He's the reminder of truth. And finally, the Holy Spirit functions as our 24-7 live assistance as we declare the truth. Okay. Now this is where a normal teacher would have way more boundaries than this. They would never do this for you, but the Holy Spirit does. He's not concerned about boundaries. He is with you all the time. And he's giving you 24-7 assistance. Um, look what Jesus says to his disciples in Luke 12, verse 12. Sorry, I didn't give you this text, but I'll read it to you. Jesus is talking to his disciples about persecution they're likely going to face. And he says, and when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So think of, um, you know, a secret agent. Think of Jason Bourne, right? The dude's got some sort of a wire strapped to him, and then he's got somebody in a van somewhere else giving him a live assistance or feed of what he's supposed to say. And that's, the guy in the van is the Holy Spirit. He's, he's giving, he's coaching you, he's saying, okay, here's what to say, here's what you do. Or like a coach giving a, an NFL quarterback the live feed in his helmet, like he's telling you the play. And, and he is with you in those crunch times. So where you're, where you're trying to share the gospel and, and it's like, well, you better show up, Holy Spirit. He's giving you the words to say. You don't have to be anxious. Now, in our, in our discipleship um, program, we, we train you on sharing your story and the gospel so that you have some, some like format, but that's not relationship, right? It's not going to happen that way every time. It rarely happens even close to the same way in my life. Because we're entering into relationship, real conversations with real people and their real brokenness. So then we need a real person to help us, the Holy Spirit. So he jumps in there and he's like, here, go here. He gives you an idea. What about this? Ask him this question. Go here. Hey, try this. And he's giving you live, 24-7 live assistance. It's an amazing thing. Well, that's how the Holy Spirit functions as our teacher. And many of you have experienced that, and it's a beautiful thing. But that's just one side of the, the deal, right? That's just one side of the relationship. There's also the student side, the very important student side. What's our responsibility as students? Well, I think there are three things, at least, that are either in our text today or directly surrounding our text today that we can look at that are appropriate responses for us as good students of the Holy Spirit. And the first response is that we become active listeners for our teacher's voice, for the Spirit's voice. We become active listeners. Um, perhaps the first universal rule of any teacher-student relationship 
is that the teacher should do most of the talking and the student should do most of the listening. And I don't know about you, but I find that this gets inverted in my life all the time with God. I don't know why, I just can't get this through my head that I should shut up for a while and let the Holy Spirit talk to me. But I'm just constantly like, here, Lord, I need this and do this and do this and do this. But very little time is spent just listening, training myself to hear his voice. Um, Richard brought this up at the table the other night. I thought that was great. Like, we're just not quiet ever. And so I'm wondering, like, how, what does your life look like? How are you doing with this? Is your life so chaotic, so noisy, that that still small voice of the Spirit just gets pushed out all the time? I mean, I, I totally understand that. It's easy in today's world, with all the options we have for entertainment and social connection and learning constantly at our fingertips, we just don't have any dead air, ever. It's just always filled. But I think it's in the dead air the Spirit loves to come and invade and speak to us. So we need to train ourselves to be listeners. Good students practice listening more. That's the first thing. Become an active listener for the Spirit's voice. The second thing is know your textbook. If the Holy Spirit is our teacher and he's wanting to teach us the truth, the truth about Jesus, well then the Bible is our textbook. The Bible is the story of Jesus. It's God's great rescue story and Jesus is the main character. So we should know the Bible because it's the story about Jesus. And if the Holy Spirit's wanting to have a conversation with you, wanting to coach you and train you and equip you and teach you about Jesus, he doesn't have nearly as much material to work with if you don't know the text. Um, has this ever happened to you? Have you ever been in a class uh, where the professor or the teacher assigned a certain reading and you didn't do it? And then you come into class the next day only to find out they're like, well, uh, today in class, we're just going to dialogue about the, the reading from yesterday. And you're like, shoot. Now, this has never happened to me uh, because I have two former professors in here. So I've actually never experienced this, ever. But I can imagine how terrible this would be if you actually had to sit through class and fake it. But that's what you have to do, right? You have to fake it, basically. You're like, okay, great. Now I've got an hour of faking it coming on. And, and you, do, you don't have any way of really authentically engaging because you didn't read it. You don't know what it says. So you you kind of go off some, what some other people say, I would imagine. Um, but you, you kind of try to hook yourself in as best you can. And then, and then you work with what you got, but it, you don't have really the right stuff, right? That's the big idea. You don't have the right stuff for the Spirit to work with. So if we're reading the text, we'll have that conversation will just be much more rich and deep because our teacher's got that material to remind us of and bring it back to our memory and, and say, hey, what about this scripture and what about this scripture? And it, it really um, en enlivens and enriches the conversation. So know the text. Now, um, I, I agree Reading your Bible every day is not thrilling or exciting or fun all the time. A lot of times for me, it is a discipline. And I've just concluded that this is such an important thing that we need to be more disciplined in it than less. And we need more accountability than less. Not as a legalistic thing, just to make sure that this life and joy thing happens. So in one of my D groups, this is what we've done. We've said, we suck at this. We're not great at staying in the word on a consistent basis. So let's, um, let's commit to studying a chapter a day and another D group in, in Life Church has decided to do something like this. And then we'll text each other a brief response to the text. Seriously, try this with two or three other people. And text each other, because that does two things. Number one, you're reading the book at least, right? And then two of your friends know when you've been reading it or when you haven't been reading it, right? So it's accountability. The second thing is it requires you to think just a few 
minutes longer about what you read in order to give a decently thoughtful response. You know, uh, if you got to write a little text paragraph or speak that into Siri, you know, tell Siri to tell this to your friends, then you have to think about it one step longer, and it just it just changes that moment. So, and encourage build some accountability in there. You need to know the text to be a good student of the Holy Spirit. Finally and lastly, and this is the toughest one, you need to obey the teacher. You need to obey the teacher. This is where it gets tough because this is where the relationship with the Holy Spirit has to change from what we think of as a teacher. Um, normally, when we think of as a teacher, we're kind of weighing what they say and saying, oh, maybe I'll take it, maybe I'll leave it. Not, not really sure, but it's not like a command or anything. They're just my teacher. But the Holy Spirit is our God. And the Holy Spirit is not offering you take it or leave it information. The Holy Spirit is testifying of our Lord and King, Jesus, and he will not allow us to approach him as a consultant. He is our king. And so the only right response when our king tells us something is to obey. Earlier in our chapter in John, John 14, verse 15, and in verse 21, he says this twice within six verses here. Jesus says, if you love me, you will what? Obey my commands. Yeah, it's king language. Obey my commands. It doesn't say if you love me, you'll be able to quote a lot of things I've said. If you love me, you'll be able to talk about me a lot. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. This is a sign of wisdom throughout the scriptures. You know, a person who not only hears the word of God, but puts them into practice. Jesus tells the parable of the wise and foolish man, right? The wise man builds his house. I'm not going to sing it. I don't want a repeat performance. Of, uh, of Rosebud. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Why was he wise? Well, because he heard the words of Jesus and put them into practice. The foolish man built his house on the sand. What made him foolish? Because he heard the words, did nothing with them. I'm wondering today as we close, what's your story going to be with the great teacher, the Holy Spirit? What's our story as a church going to look like? Will we work hard, be disciplined to quiet ourselves, to hear his voice, uh, to listen carefully and then joyfully obey? Or will we be like the foolish man, hear his words and do nothing? Or maybe we don't even carve out enough time so we just cruise through life not hearing him at all. Friends, my prayer, our prayer as your pastors for this church is that we would be like the wise man, that we would carefully listen to the voice of our teacher that we joyfully obey. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, that you've sent him to us um, to equip us to do everything that you've called us to do. You never tell us to do something without giving us the resources we need to do it. We thank you that you're a good father in this way. We thank you for your spirit. Now help us to listen. Help us to obey. In Jesus' name. So if, if you're here and, and as you've been listening uh, to, to Pastor Dave, um, share, share about the Holy Spirit, um, one who, who teaches uh, and, and points to, to this gospel, this, this, this good news, um, illuminating and, and, and showing the truth about Jesus, uh, and, and even, even towards the end there, hearing um, 
the, the Holy Spirit who, who will stop at nothing to, to testify of the Lord and King Jesus. And, and you're thinking like, okay, what, what is this? What, what, what's the deal with Lord and, and King Jesus? What's good news? Um, where's, where's this coming from? Well, it, it's not from nowhere. Um, if we think uh, from that, that, that Corinthians text, um, talked about us, us trying to figure out things on our own. If we're, if we're really using our own mind or, or even, even looking to the world uh, to, to tell us what, what is reality and, and what is life and, and what are the way things are supposed to be. Um, really, when, when we're left to, to our own devices, our own imagination, our own um, workings, we miss it. Um, and we ultimately choose ourselves, or, or we choose types and shadows of what is really real. And when we choose ourselves, or we choose types and shadows of what is really real, we fall short of the real. We fall short of what we were made for. We fall short of knowing this good news that is Jesus. Because though we fall short, though we, we, we choose anything and everything that is not God, God has said, I'm going to make a way for you to know what is real, for, for you to know what is life. So God sent himself, his son, he sent Jesus to the earth to live, to teach, um, to listen, to die innocently on a cross, taking our sins, taking all those decisions that we make for ourselves, and saying that's not the end. We don't have to continue to to grasp at shadows, at things of no substance. Because he rose again then saying, this is life. This is life. Life is found in Jesus, in God. And he gives us his spirit to help us to understand that more and more and more. And so if today, at, at any time during this morning, maybe you've even been, been, been feeling some of this, some, some, some feelings, some, some inclinations, some influences leading up to this morning. But if at a time during the service, during Pastor Dave speaking, during the last four minutes, um, if, if, if you've experienced the influence of the Holy Spirit uh, and, and you you want to know what's next. Um, we're going to have a, a prayer team come up, um, even if you're just wondering what that feeling was, what that sense was, uh, and they'll be able to listen. They'll be able to pray for you. Uh, they'll be able to, to talk with you. Um, and in general, as, as, as our prayer team comes up, uh, if, if you've been convicted by the Holy Spirit in this time, if, if there's something just going on Outside of any of this, come up, receive prayer, be, be comforted, be encouraged, um, be known, um, be loved, uh, for, for you are each loved. Uh, I'll pray, and then uh, we'll, we'll be dismissed. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for this morning.
Uh, thank you for the opportunity to come together to, um, to put other things aside uh, and, and to, to focus on you. Uh, even, even if we, we have a hard time focusing, even if we have uh, so many other things to think about. Uh, Spirit, we, we know you are here. Uh, we know that you are in us. Uh, and we know that uh, you are working in ways uh, far beyond our own comprehension, but in ways that bring life. And so we pray for more life. God, we, we, we lift up this time uh, and this next upcoming week and pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.